You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to look at Revelation 21. I've asked you to turn, and I'm going to turn there now myself. Revelation chapter 21, it's an honor Uh, And it's also humbling to be able to stand here and preach on this first Sunday of the new year. I told Pastor that was the best Sunday school lesson that I've heard this year. Amen. And his wife said that was a dad joke. Amen. And uh, so, uh, but, uh, and so this would be the best and the worst message that you've heard this year. Amen. Uh, And, and, uh, but I I sure do hope. I was praying about it late last night and praying about it this morning. And you know, uh, with the new year, you always have goals and dreams and, uh, may, and, and some of you, some of you are boring, and you don't. Okay, but I can't help it. All right, it just you know dreams flow through my mind like a river runs in the spring, and it's just always going somewhere. And uh, so I thought, you know, if when you're cutting a tree down, you know, I, you know, I've heard this illustration years ago. They said, you know, what direction is that tree going to fall? And and somebody said the direction it's leaning. And and as we have goals and 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 maybe commitments and things that we're thinking about for the new year. Uh, then we got to get started right. You can't finish the year right if you don't start the year right. And, and so as I'm preaching this morning, uh, I was praying last night and praying this morning that God would work in hearts because you'd like that first message and that first week and that, you know, of, of the new year as you're preaching, as you're ministering to others, you'd like to see God work in hearts. You'd like to see change effected in lives for eternity. And we pray that'll take place this morning. And we'll have an altar call at the end of the service, and whether anybody comes or not, uh, that, 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 that's not the determining factor if God worked in hearts, but surely if God works in your heart, we would ask that you come and do business with the Lord. Amen. Maybe there's someone here this morning, and you've never been saved by the grace of God. Maybe you're a first-time visitor, if you've never heard the gospel. We will endeavor towards the end of the message to preach the gospel to you. Amen. It'd be wrong for me to preach to a church full of believers if there's a lost person here and never introduce you to the gospel of the grace of God. So we'll endeavor to do that this morning. And I pray for the believers that uh, you'll be open to the Spirit of God working in your life as well. And even in this first service, that you'll allow God to have His will and way for this year in your life. All right, Revelation chapter number 21. I'm going to take a drink and then we are going to read the first eight verses. John's writing, and John saw, John said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And let's come down to verse 27 as well and read this last verse of the chapter. And there shall in no wise enter into it. He's talking about the new Jerusalem, heaven on earth. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll get right into this message this morning. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, and Lord, 
you know our heart this morning before you. We are very honored to be able to stand here behind this pulpit and to be able to preach the word of God. Lord, to have this privilege to minister and to preach the word of God, uh, we don't take it for granted. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the health, for the ability uh, and the strength to be able to do this, Lord. And Lord, as, as we preach this morning, Jesus said in John 15, without me, ye can do nothing. And I'm very aware of that again as I stand here this morning. Lord, we need you. I need you as I preach. The listeners need you as they listen. And I pray, Lord, that you'd work in our hearts. Lord, from this side to the pew, Lord, that you'd work in hearts, uh, Lord God, and accomplish what you know needs to be accomplished today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're coming into a new year. We're not coming into a new year. We are in the new year, all right? And there's, there's something about new things. I think most of you are probably like me in this sense, uh, that, that new things appeal to you. Uh, new things very much appeal to me. A, a new car. I, I like a new car uh, or a new pickup truck. Amen. Uh, I, I, I certainly like the idea of a new house. I've had the privilege of building houses uh, with, with, with groups, and I always like a new house, a new church building. I love a new church building. still love uh, the newness of this church building. Ten years later, I love it. Amen. Eleven years now. A new piece of money. Don't you all like it? You like any money. Amen. But that fresh, crisp $100 bill. That brand new coin, uh, some of you, uh, it's, and, and, and maybe for some of you, this, you know, this, this year you'll have a new home. Some of you are newly married, you have a, a new baby. Isn't there something about a new baby that just everybody's just, man, it's, it's exciting to, to bring a new baby into the world and to bring grandkids hint, hint, into the world. Amen. All right. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, a newly wedded couple, some of you want a new look and, and uh, some of you, especially the ladies, you know, every so often you like that new look. You like, and, and, and us, you just look the same, amen? But, but it makes you feel better, amen? And so you get that new look, all right? And, uh, and, then, and then for some, it's a new suit. Uh, or a new dress, or a new Bible. I don't know about you. Of course, I'm a preacher. I, I like a new Bible. Amen. And uh, and and I just got this one rebound, and 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 I, and I love it. Okay. And uh, and and then of course a new calendar. Uh, my boys got me a Terry Redland calendar, and my wife got me a Terry Redland calendar, and I didn't let the boys know that. Uh, but uh, so I got, and Terry Redland's my favorite artist. And uh, so I go to Africa, and I have calendars in two rooms. Amen. Uh, with Terry Redland, and 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 I like it. Amen. Uh, I, I, I love a new calendar, but now, now we've turned to a new calendar year, and we're in a new year, 2022, and for many, even in the world, the, the idea is out with the old and in with the new. And I think if, if we were to be honest, maybe some of you here are super spiritual. I haven't got there yet. I'm really trying, but I keep messing up, all right? But maybe some of you are up here, and you have no regrets from the past year, but I think from the old year, all of us probably, or most of us, have some regrets maybe that we want to forget. Maybe there are some choices that we made that we wish we hadn't made, and we're just wanting time to get between us and that choice. Maybe there were some words we said in the heat of the moment that were like, man, I wish I could bring that back and take that back, uh, you know, from last year. And, and, and maybe there were some actions that we acted out, amen, some of the things Pastor talked about in that good Sunday school lesson, amen, uh, some thoughts he talked about that weren't so lovely, amen, uh, that where, where you had that initial, if you were here in Sunday school, you had that initial thought of reaction, and maybe you spoke before you should have spoke, amen, and you're like, man, I can't take that back, all right, and, and, and so I'm just simply saying, our past victories, to some extent, and our past failures, they seem to be, to be able to get swept away when you turn that calendar year, and it's January. And I haven't missed my Bible reading yet this year. And I haven't missed my prayer time this year. And we're proud of Pastor, amen, that he's still on his reading schedule, amen. And he talked about that in Sunday school. And we're proud of Jace, amen. That was awesome, amen. And, uh, and, 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 and you know, I'm just simply saying when we come to the new year, it's kind of like getting a clean slate. It's a brand new year to start over and to make commitments and to do these things we've talked about, to witness every day. Uh, I hope that's a commitment that you sincerely make, that as God gives you opportunities, you will witness every opportunity and not squander uh, that witness. Uh, some of us, I don't know about you, but I want to be a better husband. I've been trying for 27 years, and I just want to keep getting better. Amen. And, and I know my wife, she doesn't have to work on that because she's a good wife. Amen. But I have, to, I have to work on that being a better husband. And my kids are grown up now, but I want to be a good dad. Amen. And, and, and I'm just saying uh, that, you know, we could have the list go on and on. We're in a new year. And there's things that I think all of us, if we were honest, again, maybe there's someone here that says, I don't really need to change anything, but I'm always looking to change something. Amen. To improve something. All right. But I do want to say this. Realistically speaking, I promise you that within 12 months from right now, all of us will be looking at this new year now as the old year. And there'll still be some things that we want to change next year. 
And there'll still be some regrets that we have from 2022 that we haven't even, there'll still be some bad choices some of us make we haven't even made yet. Or we'll react in the wrong way, uh, you know, and, and the situation hasn't even occurred yet, and it'll be a new year all over again. And the point I'm making is that the new year on this planet Earth at this time, it really doesn't change a lot in the big picture. It's the same old world we're living in. We still have the same old sin nature. We still have the same personalities, amen. I'm stuck with mine, and my wife's stuck with me too, amen. Listen, the same old politics, I mean, I'm January 1st, the Republicans and Democrats are firing at each other, amen, and putting up memes, and I'm like, man, things never change, amen. And uh, we have the same pandemic that we've been stuck with for a couple years now, still here. I hope by the end of this year that all this stuff's over, but it's still here. And, and, and we have the same problems, and simply turning a page on a calendar doesn't really make as much of a difference as we'd like it to, okay? But our text tells us about a time in the future. I believe the book of Revelation. I believe the Bible literally. When God said here through the pen of the apostle John, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea, I believe that's going to occur. I'm a Bible believer. I believe that verse. I believe there's coming a day that God's going to create a new heaven and God's going to create a new earth and there's going to be no more sea. Literally, I believe that. I, I, I believe there's coming a time when it won't just be a new year, but it's going to be a new creation. It's going to be a new time. Now, we, we look at the new year and say we get a new, a new section, a new slot of time on a calendar. But this, man, the Bible said time's going to be no more. This is going to be a new era. And it's not just going to be a new time. It's going to be, I mean, really, it's going to be new matter. It's going to be new motion. It's going to be new energy. It's going to be new force. It's all going to be new on this new heaven and this new earth. You say, preacher, can you explain it? I can't. I can't even explain the one we're living on now. Amen. Much less the one we're going to then. I can't. But I believe it. I believe in this passage, God says there in verse number five, Behold, I make all things new. And buddy, when God makes it new, it's new. And the old things are passed away. And I just want to preach on that thought. I, don't, I really didn't know how to title the message. You could title, Behold, I Make All Things New. But I'd like to really preach on, uh, and, and we could have, a, I mean, an endless list of the new things of, the, of, 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 of this new creation. But I just want to give you three things that I see in the text. Very basic, a very simple message. But God spoke to my heart with the message, and I hope that it's an encouragement to you uh, here this morning. Uh, because in this new creation, God is literally going to make everything new. And so the first thing I see in the text, we'll give you three points. We're going to go as quick. We'll be out of here. I won't preach as long as I did on Wednesday night, I promise you, all right? Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 1. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And, and, and the very last phrase, he said, there was no more sea. There was no more sea. The first thing, if you write notes, I'd write down that we don't have in the new heaven and the new earth. The Bible, I mean, I mean God the Holy Ghost made it clear for you and I to understand there's no more sea. And you say, well, what's, what's that really matter? I mean, the world, I mean, here we got this planet and, you know, we're, you know, you got the sea out there and, you know, a large percentage of the planet's water, it's, it's the sea and then you have land and, and, and here God, God takes the time in his word to tell us that there's no more sea. And so I began to study that a bit and I, man, commentators, they say a lot of things about that that I just, I just can't wrap my brain around some of the things that, that, that they're saying. But John the Beloved is writing this account according to verse number two, he said, and I, John. So we know John's writing. And, and John the Beloved, he, he was not just a disciple. He was a disciple of Christ. He was one of the apostles. But he wasn't just a disciple. He was one of the twelve. And he wasn't just one of the twelve. He was one of the inner three, Peter, James, and John. And he wasn't just one of the three. He was John the Beloved. In the Gospel of John, five times, John, speaking in the third person, never talking about his own name, never uses his name, he refers to himself as the one or the disciple whom he loved. He was close to Christ. He was very close to Jesus Christ. In fact, at the Last Supper, or some would call it uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, well, I forget what some would call it. Amen. There it went. You can't tell. I'm, I'm always nervous when I preach. That one of those ladies was talking on Wednesday night and said, I'm nervous when I get up here. I said, I'm always nervous when I get up here. Amen. But listen, the Last Supper, and there's John, uh, the beloved. And the Bible said he was leaning on Christ's chest there. You know, they didn't have tables that they sit around like we do. They're on the floor, and they're just in a relaxed position. And he was always very close to the Lord. This man's going to write five books in the New Testament. 
He was very close to the Lord. But John the Beloved is writing this in 96 AD. And, and, and we're talking 63 years since he's been separated from the Lord physically. 63 years earlier, the Lord had died, was buried, rose again, and then 50 days after his resurrection, he, or excuse me, 40 days after he ascended into heaven. So John the Revelator has not seen that the one who he loved with all of his heart, he's been separated from him for 63 years. And then John was more than likely, most commentators would agree that he was the youngest disciple of the Lord in, uh, there out of the 12 in, in, in the Lord's ministry. And, and so you go back to that time period of it's been 63 years, so it's been, it's been 66 years now since John and those disciples all got together, about six, six and a half years. And man, they walked and talked together. And they learned at the feet of the greatest teacher in the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, they had, I mean, just read the gospel accounts and see the camaraderie. See, sometimes the little bit of jealousy and the rift that gets between them, just like we all get between us at times, amen. I mean, they're normal guys just like we were normal guys, amen. And so here's, here's I mean, Peter, James, and John, and here's all the disciples and, and such good friends, such close friends, but, but he's been separated from them now for a pretty good period of time because history tells us that John was the oldest living disciple. Probably the other 11, for sure 10, probably the 11th, outside of Judas now, all right? And we're talking about the new disciple that was in Judas's place. Outside of, of, of Judas, all the other ones had been martyred for the cause of Christ. They had all sealed their testimony with their blood. And so all of, there's his Lord, and he's separated from his Lord. And there's all of his friends, and those men that they developed a very close relationship over a three and a half year period. I mean, it's literally 30 years before this since Peter's died, crucified upside down. Peter and Paul probably died close to the same time, around 66 AD. And so Peter and Paul, they're gone. The other apostles are gone. And so John separated from those that were his close friends, those that were close in the ministry. But you get in the last 10 years of John's life, maybe 15 years again, we don't know the exact time frames, but pretty close to the end of his life there. And he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And 1st John's just written to the church in general. And 2nd John is written to the elect lady and her children. And, and some say that speaks of a specific church and church members. And some say there's a specific lady. And it doesn't matter to me. The point is that here we're coming towards the end of John's life. And John had a new set of friends as he got older. Some of you know what I'm talking about because of age. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm trying to be very respectful. But as he got older, his friends had gone to heaven. And now he has a bunch of younger friends and folks that he's mentored and folks that he's invested in and new friends. You come to 3 John and he writes to the beloved Gaius. I mean, it sounds like they got a pretty good relationship. He writes about a man in 3 John. He doesn't have such a great relationship with Diotrephes, amen. But he writes about Demetrius as well. And these are fellows that, that he, have, he has a pretty good relationship now, but, but just stop for a minute. And let's go back to the beginning of Revelation because though, though these are folks that he wrote to, uh, in his later years, I believe he wrote them before, or he spoke of them, that he was friends uh, of, of them before we come into the Revelation. And so when we come to Revelation chapter number 1, I want, I want to examine where John is when he writes, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and there was no more sea. The Bible tells us here in Revelation 21 verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here's an old man. They tell us that he died within just a few years of writing Revelation and most folks assume he was 99 or 100 years old. So, so they, they think he was probably born around you know, 0 AD, maybe 3 BC. I mean, right in that time frame. This is an old man. The book of Revelation is written in 96 AD. This is an old man. And, and he's saying, hey guys, I want you to know, man, there's a lot of preaching I'd like to do right here. He's an old man and he hadn't dipped his colors, amen. He's an old man and he hadn't compromised, amen. He's in exile because of the stand that he's taken for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And there was a doctrine that he had and a book that he had and a savior that he has and they were non-negotiable, amen. He wasn't trading them in, amen. And so there he is, he's in exile now and he's on this island that's called Patmos and if you study, the Isle of Patmos was about seven and a half miles long and about six miles wide. Today, it's a wonderful and a beautiful uh, and a very attractive uh, uh, a tourist 
uh, a place where folks come by and ships come by and drop tourists off. And it's just a very, very beautiful place. Maybe somebody's here traveled there. They, I looked at some pictures of it. I looked at some videos. A very beautiful place. But then it was an island uh, where, where Romans were banishing prisoners. There wasn't, nothing, there wasn't no hotels on the island. There wasn't no cruise ships pulling up. There wasn't no fine restaurants and fine dining. John, if he's not with a group of prisoners, for sure, as he starts Revelation 1, he's by himself, at least on the Lord's Day. I'm going to tell you, here's John on the Lord's Day. He's all by himself on the Lord's Day. And you know what he did on the Lord's Day? He had church. Yeah, Amen. He's all by himself. I'm glad his church didn't split while he was out there when it was just him. Amen. All right. But there he is, all by himself on the Lord. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And that's how the book of Revelation, God has him on Patmos. The Romans put him there, but God had him there so he could write the book of Revelation for you and I. But he's sitting on a little island out in the middle of the Aegean Sea. And everywhere he looks is sea. He can look over across and see some land out there in the distance from another island. But he's separated from the world. He's not just separated from Christ now, physically. He's not just separated from all those apostles in death that were his brothers, a man in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's now separated from those younger friends that he has. He's separated right now from everything that he's ever loved and held dear. He's separated on an island. I believe God's getting a point across to us. Hey, in the new heaven and new earth, for those of you that may be interested, there's no more sea. But I believe God the Holy Ghost is ministering to John when he wrote that. Amen. Saying, John, there's coming a point. Because to John... The sea represented separation. He's separated from everyone that he loves. He's separated from everything that he's known, all that's his potential family. He's the man, and I'm sure she's gone a long time by now, but he was so close to the Lord that when the Lord was dying, the Lord looked at John and said, Behold thy mother, referring to his own mother Mary. And he looks at Mary and says, Behold thy son. And, and so he spent a good part of his life, according again to the historians, taking care of the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about that? But now he's banished on an island. And there's a sea. And there's separation. Here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning by way of practical application. In the new heaven and the new earth, there is no more separation. Amen. There's nothing that will separate us from family. There's nothing that will separate us from friends. There's nothing that will separate us from those things that we love and hold so near and dear to our heart. There's no ocean to separate. There's no sea to separate. If you read verse 2 and 3, not just is it the sea that brings separation, but man, God's up. Is, is, Y'all help me out. Is God in heaven physically right now? You better believe the ascended Christ is in heaven physically. But look in verses 2 and 3. And I, John, saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Amen. And we're not just talking about spiritually that we're the tabernacle. We're talking about God himself literally, physically. Jesus Christ coming down on this planet. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them. And be their God. The point I'm trying to make this morning is there'll be no sea to separate. There'll be no space to separate. There'll be no kind of spiritual separation. Amen. In the new heaven and the new earth, there is no separation. I hope that's encouraging to those of you who along the line may Maybe have lost loved ones in death and have been separated. Maybe you've lost family members for other reasons and there's been a separation. Maybe there's been a, se hey, what causes separation? When we think about that word separation, what causes separation? Well, the first obvious answer is sin. Sin always causes separation. God said in Ezekiel to the children of Israel, your iniquities have separated between you and the Father. Sin separated man from God in the Garden of Eden. And because you and I are all the sons of Adam, we are born alienated from God. Sin separates man from God. I'm thankful once you're saved, we can't ever have a separated relationship. But still, even when you get saved, there can be a separation of fellowship, Brother Sam. There can be, amen. I mean, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There can be a separation of fellowship between the Father and Son. When you and I get out of the will of God, sin separates. But John's not out on the Isle of Patmos because of his sin. John, man, he's a sinner. Sure, he's a sinner, but he's been saved a long time. John's not backslidden at this time. What kind of separation is John going through? John's not separated now and experiencing separation because of sin. He's spearing separation because of the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel and the word of God. He said, I was here because of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God. Yeah. 
And can I tell you, man, they sang that song. You know, I always want to preach a missionary message. My wife even asked me coming this morning, you go preach a mission message. I said, well, I'll touch missions in just a, in just a little bit. Amen, all right? And they sang, Who Will Go? And what a great song, and I've never heard it before. And, and you said, Dr. Caudill wrote it, and the president of our mission board, never heard it before. Amen. i got to buy his CDs, I guess. Amen. Who will go? Man, there's some of you here, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when God is going to call you. Right now, you already called, as we said, to go across the street, to go across the state, to go across, you know, I mean, that, that aisle to try to witness to somebody. But in a church this size, and a group this size, and a world out there where 48% of the world's never heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. you mean to tell me that Jesus died for the world, and he wouldn't want some of you to be separated from your family and your friends and from all things familiar and from a financial future that he would not, he's not going to do it with everybody. Amen. You got to have a good, strong church here. Amen. You got to have a witness here. There has to be a missions lighthouse here. Amen. To send people around the world, but surely young people here, uh, some of the middle-aged people here, maybe even some of the older folks here. Amen. Can I just tell you, God's still looking. Amen. He's still looking. You think he died for the world and then looking for someone to carry the message of his son to people who will otherwise die and go to hell? Never having heard there was a Savior that came to reach sinners with the gospel of the grace of God? You better believe he's going to call some folks here. Amen. This year, some of the young people out of this church surrendered to the call of God in your life. And that will involve on many, many, many levels, that will involve separation. But I'm glad in the new heaven. Hey, when our family pulls out of here, and this message isn't about us at all, but when our family pulls out of here on Tuesday, amen, we're going to be separated as a family. I don't like that. I don't want to think about that. I don't, amen. I'm a human like anybody else. On the airplane, I told my wife one day, I was so excited about going back to Africa. I said, I'm going to be crying all the way back. I was thinking about the mission. And she said, I'm going to be crying, but for a different reason. She was thinking about the children, amen. I said, well, I'm going to cry about that too, amen. I will. Maybe some of our boys will cry. Maybe they'll be like, yeah, amen. They have left the country, amen, all right? Listen, the point is there's separation. And, and, and somebody said separation makes the heart grow fonder. And the longer you're separated, man, the more you want to be able to see each other. And we thank God for modern communication and FaceTime. We thank God for that, amen. But it's nothing like having them right there in front of your face in real time, real people, amen. There's a separation because of sin. There's a separation, amen, for the sake of the gospel, amen. This man is, 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 is suffering separation for the cause of the gospel. And I believe the Holy Ghost said, hey, there's going to be no more sea. There's not going to be anything to separate you. One day, and it's not going to be too long, John, one day I'm coming again. One day you're going to be back reunited with you. Hey, can I tell you, you're going to be reunited with the Savior one day if you're saved. You're going to be reunited with those that died you know, before you and your family. Some of you, man, just in this past year or two, you've lost family. We've wept with some of you as you've lost family. And there's been that separation. But can I tell you, there's no separation in heaven. Amen. There's no separation in the new heaven and earth. And i got to roll. Let's look at this next point. A lot more things I'd like to say, but I really do want to move on. There's no more suffering. Verse number four, I, I don't know about you, and you say, well, I know this, this is elementary. Well, I just want to remind you of this, amen, because surely, surely some here suffered over this past year. Surely in a crowd this size, there are people here who have experienced many forms of suffering, some on the inside, some on a spiritual level, some on an emotional level, some on a physical level, some on a financial level, you've experienced some form of suffering, and surely in 2022, we're not in the new heaven and the new earth yet. There may be some folks here that suffer this year. But can I tell you, in that new heaven and the new earth, it's not just a turn of a page on a calendar. It's all new, and there's going to be no more suffering. Watch what the Holy Ghost said to write. He said, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I'll come back to that in a moment. And watch this. He said, there shall be no more death. And we just talked about that death just a bit. There'll be no sorrow and nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. I don't know about y'all, but I can say a hearty amen right there. I don't know about y'all, but me and pain are not mutual friends. Yeah. I think sometimes pain wants to be a mutual friend with me, but I do not like pain. All right? We do not go back a long ways together. We do not want to stay. I mean, I don't like pain. Amen. There'll be no more pain in that day. Listen, that's what he said. He said, for the former things are passed away. You know what happens when somebody dies? We say, well, God bless so-and-so. He passed away. He passed. What do we mean? He died. The old's gone. And I'm going somewhere with this. The old's out with the old. It's literally out with the old. Literally out with the old. The old's gone. In the mind of God, the old heaven and the old earth and the old creatures on this old heaven and old earth that never got saved by the grace of God, they're dead for eternity. They're spiritually, they're eternally dead. They've passed away. And for those who are saved, there's no more, there's no more. Hey, listen, the Bible said God himself 
I like that. He didn't say, hey, some of you have cried. We have wept with some of you. And i gotta be, I got to check my emotion right here, right now, because I could start crying right now. We've wept with families out of this church in the past year and in the past two years and in the past three years. And we've wept with some of you. We've wept with, we've wept for some of you. Amen. I'm glad I don't have to say we've wept because of any of you. Amen. All right. But listen, there's coming a day, listen, some of you have wept. Some of you have cried. Some of you have cried yourself to bed at night. Some of you, the tears have flown very freely this year. Can I tell you? If you're saved, you're headed to a place where the Bible said God himself. He's not sending Peter down there. He's not sending an archangel down there. The Bible said God himself shall wipe away all tears. Amen. What about that? That, that kind of makes me look forward to the new heaven and the new earth. Amen. I mean, God himself is going to say, I'll, I'll take care of those tears. We're going to check those tears right here. The former's done with. All those memories of the past failures, bitterness, grievances, hurts, I mean decisions, choices, self-inflicted or, or, or just unavoidable you know, things that have happened. Man, they're gone. They're wiped away. I'm gonna, I, God's, I think he's going to wipe them out of our memory. Amen. All those, he said, I'm going to wipe away those tears. When, when you get here, not only are you checking the tears at the door, amen, but there's not going to be any reason to cry ever again. I don't know about you, I remember one time, this is many years ago, I think 2007 maybe, Jesse was about six or seven years old, and I was preaching on heaven in the nursing home, and, and up in Gettysburg, South Dakota, and I mean, it was one of those times where it just, uh, down south, they'd say it like this, it got on in the nursing home, amen, and people were getting a little excited, because, I mean, statistically speaking, I mean, I know that theoretically, you know, you say, well, you know, anybody could die at any time, but statistically speaking, I mean, their, their time's shorter than a lot of ours, amen, all right? And they was getting happy. And I was preaching and actually someone had just died that, was, that came regularly. And people were excited about preaching. It just got real. And, and we come home that day. Uh, we come home from church. Or, or, or from church. We was having church at the nursing home. Amen. And we're coming home. And Jesse was in the back seat of the car. And Jesse said, Dad, I want to go to heaven. And I said, well, I'm glad you want to go to heaven. That's great. Amen. We all want to go to heaven. Amen. And he's like, no, no, I, I want to go to heaven right now. And I said, well, what would you say? And he said, because we're already out of that spiritual moment of the nursing home and preaching on heaven, amen. We're back in the car, back in the now and now, amen. And, uh, and he's like, I want to go to heaven now. I'm like, what do you mean you want to go to heaven now? And he said, man, that sounded so great, and it sounds so pretty and beautiful. And he gives all these adjectives. I want to go there now. And I said, Jesse, you get to go there one day, but let's just enjoy life right now, amen. But it was real to him. Can I tell you, as real as I'm standing here talking to you right now, heaven's real. The new heaven and the new earth are real. This is an event that is going to, I was sitting with my mother-in-law, I think, last week around Christmas time and made the comment about we're about to go into 2022. And she said, I cannot believe it. She said, I remember, I remember thinking years ago, 2020, that's a long ways off. I can't believe we're going into 2022. Can I tell you we're here? And can I tell you it's going to be like a blink of an eye. And we're going to be with the Lord on that day if you're saved. We're going to be with him on that day when the new heaven and the new earth created and he wipes away those tears and there's no more separation and there's no more suffering. Imagine not getting any phone calls, amen, in the middle of the night that someone's passed away or there's been a terrible accident. Not getting that phone call that that person that you love so much has been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Getting some kind of a phone call, amen, uh, that causes pain. I'm just telling you there's no more death. Hey, can I just tell you something about death? In that day, when he said no more death, you know what that means? That means they just had the funeral for death, amen? <laughs> Death's dead, amen? There's no more death, amen? Death, death has passed away eternally with those who chose to reject Jesus Christ and they're suffering eternal death in the lake of fire. But for those of us that are in the new heaven and the new earth, there is no more death. We've celebrated the funeral of death itself, amen? What about that? With no death means no more winter. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. All the trees dying and the vegetation going dead. You say, well, I like it white. I like it if it stays white, amen. But it gets all dirty, grungy looking, and there's no leaves and nothing to make it look beautiful out there. No more winter, praise God. Hopefully no more cold temperatures, amen. We don't want to end up on the other end of that spectrum either. <laughs> just saying, all right, amen. I'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm just simply saying there's no sorrow, there's no death, there's no sorrow. You know, the older we get, the more we love. And the more we love, the greater we hurt. The greater we hurt, the greater we can be hurt. That causes sorrow. And sometimes people that you love the most have the ability to hurt you the worst. Sometimes the sorrow is inflicted by others. Sometimes it's inflicted by yourself. David, in Psalm 51, speaking of a sin that created a sorrow that he would take with to his grave, he said, my sin is ever before me. 
I've heard the sorrow just within recent days of a mother crying and weeping over wayward children. I've seen the sorrow in, in the last two weeks of children who are walking around empty because of a deadbeat daddy that's walked out on them. And the kids are almost like zombies right now. The shock is still real. They're not doing well emotionally. I've listened to the sobbing about a year and a half ago of a young lady who sat in my office. And my wife is sitting there beside me as she sobbed, not knowing any better because she's not raised in a Christian home and never heard the principles of God's word and never heard how to do things right and how to make wise decisions. Raised by a crackhead mother in this town, in this city. And all she's ever known is bad. Before you start judging those kids in this city that are out there making bad decisions, maybe put yourself in their shoes just for a moment and realize you could have been raised the way they were. Some of them, you say, oh, it's personal choice, it is personal choice. But some of them, that's all they've ever known. That's the home they were raised in. That's all they know. And this girl sat in her office, 23 years old, four babies, and a fifth one on the way, and says, I don't know what's going on. I've given men after man after man after man, and I've given them everything they wanted and more. And then they throw me out like trash. Sorrow. Sin brings so much sorrow. And weeping and crying and tears. And that day there'll be no more sorrow. It's going to be gone. Sorrow will have died as well. Amen. Man, I, I hate crying, and I hate crying publicly. I hate it. it. You say it's part of your being. I don't know what it is. I just hate crying. Sometimes I mess up, but I hate it. Amen. Listen, that day there'll, there'll be no reason to cry. Amen. No, no. And, and, and then he said, no pain, no pain. And there are folks listening to the sound of my voice right now that some of you have constant pain. You're living in you're living in a state of constant pain. Some physical, some emotional. History tells us that John the Beloved, who's writing this, was boiled in, in hot oil before he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And, and, and they say, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you this, I don't know what kind of grace God gave him. I know God gave him the grace to live because he wrote this book. But I, there's, nothing, there's nothing appealing about getting boiled in hot oil. Amen. Nothing at all. That's a very painful experience. And, and John's writing, I think some of this is John's writing. I think God's really ministering to John as he ministers to us. There's going to be no more sorrow, John. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more tears. I think John the Beloved probably cried himself to sleep a few nights. I think even as an old man, all those memories from yesteryear are haunting him. And the tears come and God said, there's going to be no more pain, John. There's going to be no more sorrow. Man, we sing that song and I'm trying to struggle right now to, to keep it intact right here. Okay, but we sing that song. There'll be no sorrows there. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. No more burdens to bear. No more sickness, no pain. No more parting over there. That's that separation. And forever I'll be with the one who died for me. What a day. Can I just tell you, that's going to be quite a day. But let me just tell you this because i got to wrap it up i got eight minutes, and I'm counting my time, all right? I'm hungry. <laughs> but I want you to listen. Verse number eight, watch this. Verse number eight. There's going to be no separation. There's going to be no sorrow. There's something else not going to be there either. But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, that's what the Bible says, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In other words, they're separated from the new heaven and new earth. They're separated from God. They're separated from that place where there's no more separation, that place where there's no more sorrow. They're separated. Who's the they? Sinners. For those of us that are saved, we come down to verse number 27 and we read, And there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever work of abomination or maketh a lie. And we say, Praise the Lord, there's going to be no sin in heaven. And I just want to say, Praise the Lord, there's no sin in heaven. Amen. I mean, I, if somebody said, Wait a minute, no sinners? If, if sinners could get there, sin would be there. You mean, you mean there's not going to be anybody that tells a lie? If there was a liar in heaven, it wouldn't be heaven. There's not going to be a thief if I had to worry about it. I'm the first thing I do when I go to God, I'm getting a guard dog and I'm putting razor wire. You know why? Because there are thieves there. Amen. You say there are thieves here. I know. There's thieves there. Amen. I don't have a razor wire around my house here. I'm going to have razor wire around my house there. Amen. There are thieves. If I had to put razor wire around my mansion in heaven, I don't think it'd be heaven. No, he said, no, no, I mean, he, abomination, I mean, he, whoremongers, I mean, 
You don't have to worry about none of that stuff there. That's, that's some of what makes it heaven. Amen. But then my mind goes to sinners. They can't go to heaven, and we don't want sin in heaven. But everybody that I know is either a sinner or saved <laughs> by the grace of God. You're in one category or the other here this morning. You're a sinner or you're someone that's saved. That's where you are. To get onto this earth, there had to be a physical birth. You could not, you say, Pastor, that's elementary. I know it's elementary, but I'm just trying to help you understand that truth again, reminding you, you Brother Wade Chambers, there was a day when your mom birthed you onto this planet. Amen. You, he, you don't just say, yeah, I just beamed here from another place. Amen. He came here through birth. And the only way you get into this new heaven and the new earth is through the second birth. No second birth, no new earth. If you're here and you've never been saved by the grace of God, all that, that stuff that excites me that I'm preaching about, no more separation, no more church separation. I mean, we're not going to be separated from Eastside on the other side of the world. We're not going to be separated from our family. We're not going to be separated for any other reason. Hey, all that sorrow, that death. It's, uh, listen, that excites those of us that are saved. But if you're here and not saved, don't kid yourself. Man, I see posts on Facebook all the time about people who do not know the Lord as their Savior. And they'll have someone who professed to be unsaved, who, who hated Christianity and the gospel of the grace of God. And that person will die. And they'll say statements like, well, he's in a better place. Can I tell you, you're not in a better place if you die. I had a neighbor one time, and he was just joking. I get it. We were good buddies. We joke around. But he told me one day, he said, preacher, he said, I'm not going to be in heaven. And I said, I know you're not going to be in heaven. I want you. He said, no, no, you're not getting what I'm saying. I'm not going to be in heaven. And I knew what he, I said, Donnie, why aren't you going to be in heaven? He said, because there's no beer in heaven. <laughs> I said, Donnie, have you ever considered there's no beer in hell either? And you are going to be there. I want you to listen this morning. And there's a popular song, and I just, I saw it the other day. And I can't even, I can't even give the, the lyrics of it, amen. But someone had passed away, and someone was telling them, well, why you're in heaven? Raise, and you, you, you can fill in the blank. He said, It's terrible. They really believe the person's in heaven. That's the philosophy of the world, but can I tell you, in heaven, or excuse me, in hell, there's, there's nothing heavenly. Separated from God in eternal fire. There, there is nothing, it's, you talk about going, you talk about two extremes. Like heaven is so awesomely beautiful, and heaven is so horribly awful. No wonder Christ had to go to the extreme to die on the cross. Now I want you to listen to me. Because he said, there shall no wise enter into anything that defileth. Are you saved or are you still in sin? The Bible said here, and at the fearful. What's the fearful? The fearful, that word literally, literally means the cowardly. Those who did not have the courage to be identified with the cross of Jesus Christ. They would not get saved because they did not want to be identified as a Christian. Maybe there's someone like here this morning, and you say, I want to get saved so bad, but if I get saved, what do my friends say about me? What do my family say about me? What will all my neighbors say about me? Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what they say about you. You'll have heaven to gain for eternity and hell to lose by getting saved by the grace of God. God said the fearful, those that refuse to be identified with the Christ of the cross, Christ will refuse to identify with you on that day. He said, the unbelieving... Those who die never having believed the gospel of the grace of God. Now you may be here this morning and you say, Brother Rutman, I believe the gospel. But here's my experience with South Dakotans when I meet them the first time and it comes to the gospel. Every South Dakotan I've met, minus just a very few, tell you I believe the gospel. And I believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And they believe that intellectually. But can I tell you, a lot of South Dakotans, while they believe in the gospel of the grace of God, they also believe that they have to be a good person and they have to do good works and they have to quit this and quit that to get to heaven. Can I tell you, there's only one way to heaven, amen, and that's through shucking your self-righteousness, that's through repenting of your self-righteousness, I'm talking about turning away from your religion, turning away from your good works, turning away from all that you've done and placing your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone, once for all, forever, amen. And you could do that this morning. <laughs> This morning you could do that. If you're here and you've never been saved, you could have walked in here a sinner on your way to hell and the first service of the new year, you could walk out of here saved and on your way to heaven for eternity, going to the new heaven and the new earth simply because you placed your faith and trust in Christ alone. Read the list, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable. So what's the abominable, pastor? 
I'm not going to start listing sins. Some people would like to bait you into listing sins right there. Can I just tell you what the word means? It means loathsome. It means vile. It means despicable. And can I tell you, if you die in your sin, your sin is as loathsome and as vile and as despicable to God. And I, people want to say, well, what sin and this sin? Can I tell you the sin of pride? The sin of pride is just as wicked in the eyes of God as the sin of immorality in the eyes of God. It's wicked. And if you die, have you, have you ever heard the song? Maybe your visitor never heard the song. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If you've never been cleansed in the blood of the Lamb, you're still loathsome in the eyes of God. Now, I may look at you and say, you're a good guy. You may look at me and say, he's a good guy. But God who's never sinned, God who's absolutely good, God who measures everything by his standard of perfectness, righteousness, and holiness says all have sinned, that's you. There's not a just man upon this earth that doeth good and sinneth not, that's you and I. All we like sheep have gone astray, that's all of us. I'm telling you, we're all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous no, not well. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And God said in Isaiah chapter number 64 that our righteousness is plural. He didn't say your sins right there. He said our righteousness is. That's the good things we do. That's the going to church. That's putting money in the offering plate. Amen. That's getting baptized and catechized and sanctified or whatever otherwise. Amen. That's all of it. Amen. God said they're filthy rags. You know what that would mean? Loathsome, vile, despicable. God, you, say, you say, well, how, well, how could that be? Brother Upman, how could that be that I could come in here a sinner, vile in the eyes of God, loathsome in the eyes of God, and walk out of here a child of God, saved, a son, and on my way to heaven? Can I tell you how? Because 2,000 years ago, this is why I'm going to Africa, because what I'm about to tell you right now, <laughs> this is my favorite story in the whole world. 2,000 years ago, Christians remember what happened 2,000 years ago. We just celebrated Christmas. Uh, get it in your head. He talked about it with the song we sang this morning. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? 2,000 years ago, God became flesh. Love became a baby in this world, became one of us. Hope became human. Amen. There's a world that's abominable, filled with all kinds of sin and sinfulness and lawlessness. And there's a God in heaven that so loved the world and he knew they could never save themselves. It's impossible. So I'm going to become a man. And I'm going to go down there and be born. And they said, call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like preaching a Christmas message all over again. Amen. I saw you got your Christmas decorations up early here. Amen. Listen. God became a man. And he was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived for 33 years. And John knew him. And he never sinned one time. Tempted like as we are, Hebrew says, yet without sin. I know I've said it many times here and I'll probably say it a million times this year. I hope to. Pontius Pilate looked at him and said, I find no fault in this man. Pontius Pilate's wife said, have nothing to do with this just man. They were testifying to the sinlessness of the Son of God. Judas Iscariot said, I've sinned in that I've betrayed innocent blood, testifying to the sinlessness of the Son of God. A thief on the cross that originally was mocking the Son of God said, this man hath done nothing amiss. And he repented and believed the gospel. Even the Roman centurion, the man who was the head of the detail, that would brutally murder the Son of God. When it was all done, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. And if you invert those words, he, he, he knew what he was saying. This is God the Son. They testified to his sinlessness. Could not get two witnesses to agree together for a false accusation. And the Bible said that when they questioned him, he answered not a word. Now, you probably heard me say this before, but that used to bother me. I'd be like, why didn't he tell him he was sinless? Why didn't he tell him he never did anything wrong? Why didn't he? Because he wasn't standing on trial for his sin. He was standing on trial for your sin and for my sin and for the sin of the world. And as such, he was guilty. He never, ever evidenced the, 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 never evidenced the fruit of sin. But the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 that he who knew no sin was made sin for us. He wasn't the fruit of sin, but he became the very root of sin for you and I. And he suffered on a cross. Listen, when he's in the garden and he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking about Calvary. He wasn't talking about trying to bypass Calvary. He knew what laid for him there. He told Pontius Pilate, for this cause I came into the world. Amen. Listen, he was headed to Calvary. He had a mind. Even when Peter said, be it far from thee, he said, get thee 
me behind me, Satan, his mind was Calvary. But I believe what he was recalling at on that night in the Garden of Gethsemane was the contents of the cup that he was going to have to drink the dregs of sin for you and I. And sin was as an abomination to him. Sin was as disgusting to him and more so than you picking up a bottle of vomit and drinking it would be to you. Sin is detestable to God. But God said, I love you so much that I'll pick up the bottle of sin. I'll drink deep from that bottle, so deep that I'll go ahead and die for the sins of the whole world. I don't care how wicked and how vile and how loathsome. I'll die for all sin. And the Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace, so that we wouldn't be separated from God, we had a peace with God. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him with his stripes were healed. In 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm wrapping it up. We're about to have an invitation. If we could get a piano player, it would be good. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Paul, he's preaching the resurrection of Christ in 1 Corinthians 15. And he starts by delivering the gospel. He said, for I delivered, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins. And it wasn't just a brutal death. It was an awful burial. He was numbered even with the wicked in his death. And he's buried. But then there's a glorious resurrection. Amen. And he rose from the dead. What, what's that mean? That means the wages of your sin's death. Jesus suffered your death and then proved that he could forgive you of your, uh, your sin by raising up from the penalty of your sin, which is death. If he can beat the penalty of your sin, he beat the sin itself. Amen. He beat it. On resurrection morning, he come alive. And here's what he's telling you in Revelation 21. He's saying, guys... Behold, I make all things new. There's coming a day. There is. I'm saved. I'm in. I'm going. I can't wait. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a lot of people who aren't saved. And it's our responsibility, church, to go reach them with the gospel I just gave you. And we have to. And it's your responsibility to reach them with the gospel that you were just given. And if you're here and not saved, it's your responsibility to embrace the Son of God and to ask Him to save you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm telling you, there's coming a day. Behold, I make all things new. There's no more sea, no separation. That encourages me as a child of God. That gives me great hope. There's no more sorrow. That gives me wonderful hope. No more sorrow. There's no more sin and there's no more sinners. If you're here and you're not saved, I'm begging you while she plays the invitation to come down and to get saved. If you're a man, woman, boy, or girl, we'll have someone take the gospel and show you how to be saved. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you're here and got saved on the first Sunday of 2022? Amen. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? I'm, I'm asking the pastor to come. He's going to hold the invitation. But if you're not saved, why don't you come? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.